I don't know whether you caught uh, the comment that I made in my prayer just now about the fact that we, ha we have no claims except the claim that Jesus makes upon us. And that's why we're here. That's another way, in some ways, of distilling what we just heard in terms of especially the epistle and the gospel reading. What that means is, is that we come back here into this very particular building, say some very unique and particular things about the nature of Jesus and who we are in relationship to Jesus. And they are unique. They are things that we hear here in a way that is meant to, in fact, both startle, challenge, and affirm. Startle because a part of what it means to be human is we want life to go our way. We want things to go the way we want them to go. And we can even be in the mistaken notion of assuming that we deserve things to go the way we want them to go, uh, which of course is never true. Um, I mean, there is a lot that says, especially as you enter into retirement, which as you know is coming up for me very quickly, that after having worked very hard over the course of several decades, I, I deserve, as it were, to have life go the way I want it to. Nothing could be further from the truth, the fact of the matter is. There are way too many surprises. There are made way too many things over which I have absolutely no control whatsoever, including the health of my own body, even if I work hard to take care of it. Circumstances that surround everything from the steadiness or not, of the economic institutions in which I've placed my trust and invested my time and money, or anything else you can begin to think of. Actually, what I have control over is very, very small indeed. What I really have control over, and even then only most of the time, are, are my own choices. Honestly, that's about it. And if as I know myself relatively well, although I'm always caught by surprise the things that happen and realize I didn't know as much as I thought about, thought I knew even about me, is that I don't always understand even the motivations of my heart that cause me to make the choices that I do. Because as the scripture is very clear, the, the heart is a mystery. Some things happen that seem in accordance with the sense of our own inner purpose, and then other things happen to us, things we do, that either come as a surprise or tell us things about ourselves that we wish we wish weren't true, right? Nod your head. I mean, a part of what it means to be on the other side of 50 and 60 years of age is the fact that you're less surprised by your own foibles. It's just who we are. All of which, in fact, invites us to think about Jesus in a very particular kind of way. Because we really are trusting the fact that God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. Because that's... <laughs> That's what I'm counting on. I'm counting on that. What I am not counting on is that somehow who 
God is, is something like making a list and checking it twice. Because if that were true, the way the scales would go may or may not end up in my favor. Particularly since he is the one before whom all hearts are open, all desires known, from whom no secrets are hid. It means we can't fool him. No matter how sort of terrific we look on a Sunday morning. Oh yeah, I, I don't need the prayer book. I know it by heart. I've been an Episcopalian all my life. And, and, and those kinds of things that we use, in fact, to um, assuage, really, assuage the discrepancies that we feel on the inside between what we say and what we do. The good news is that church, in fact, ought to be a place where we can just sort of admit that. That we don't have to pretend. That what makes all of us welcomed here, regardless of who we are, regardless of where we have been, regardless of what we have done or not done, is one thing, and one thing only, and it is the mercy, the mercy of God. Everything else is just pretension, quite honestly. And that's hard, 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 hard for us. Particularly if we have accolades in our lives and where people have spoken well of us and we have things about which we in fact should in fact rightly be proud as it relates to accomplishments. We're also knowledgeable enough, I hope, to know that even the greatest of accomplishments, no matter how many accolades we've received or what's been said about us by other people, are in fact still like over here in comparison to the state of my heart, which I wish at times were far was far different than in fact it is. But it's just what it means to be human. Even if you work hard and you do well, in the end, when you stand before God and God sees all the things that other people may or may not see, although I've really come to realize, particularly in this public role, People know a lot more about you than you think they do. <laughs> Is that we do really rely, if we're going to be Christian about all of this, in the end, what we do is, in fact, rely on God and his mercy toward us. Oh, God, whose glory it is always to have mercy. Whew, I'm glad that's true. <laughs> See, that means it applies to me. Be gracious to all who have gone astray from your ways. Well, that's like 20 times and it's only 11 o'clock in the morning. I mean, the more I know, again, the more self-aware I become, the more I face up to the fact that there are parts of me that aren't admirable at all. And I, in fact, need, need, count on, absolutely must have, what? The mercies of God. Be gracious to all who have gone astray from your ways. And believe me, if you're not thinking about yourself at that point, or instead you're thinking about Jim or Marie or Larry, then there's something askew even about that. Dear Lord, help me to have the capacity to realize how much I am in fact personally in need of your mercy. 
Not just that I might be freer to forgive them, which of course is always a challenge, but more importantly, the temptation of the human heart is to say in some way or another, just like you know, the Pharisee, I thank God I'm not like them. As a way again to assuage us in the midst of realizing the weaknesses that are profoundly true of our own hearts. And all that does, all that, all that does, is create a climate that really communicates fear, failed expectations, and a sense that nobody's measuring up. And it also makes you heck to live with. I know people like that. You're always shaking a little bit, if you care about them anyway, about the next disappointment that you're going to do. Because you will, and you know you will. But all of that kind of behavior, in fact, takes the spotlight off the mercy of God, the assurance of God, the forgiveness of God, the kindness of God, and the trust that we make that God will give us what we need to be the kind of what? Bring them again with penitent hearts and steadfast faith to embrace and hold fast the unchangeable truth of your word. In other words, I'm counting God, not just on the things that I know that I need to ask for your forgiveness, but I need you to bring me. I don't want to go there myself. My pride can't often take it, that somehow I come into the place of your presence, and I'm afraid of what it is that you're going to show, about, show me. Bring them again. Bring them. Bring me with a penitent heart and steadfast faith. But here's the secret, and it's lovely. The secret is, is that if you really ask God to bring you to his presence, to a place where you're just with him, without any distractions, knowing that he is the one before whom, as we said, all hearts are open, all desires known, no secrets are hid. That what winds up happening is that what we encounter in that moment is the kind of overwhelming and incredibly understanding love in a way that really washes away the fear, particularly the fear of condemnation, the fear of not measuring up, the fear of being again in the presence of God, nothing more than our failures. And it's not because God doesn't see them. It's because he sees all of who we are from before time to this very moment. And he has already decided in his heart that what he commits to giving us and showing us is, in fact, his love and his mercy. That's the beauty of it. That's actually the glorious surprise. C.S. Lewis wrote the book of his own conversion called Surprised by Joy, and that's exactly what happens that when I begin to lay all of who I am before God, and I get past my own fear of self-disclosure, 
because what might happen to me? If I'm willing to step even deeper into just being with God without hiding at all, trusting that God will, in fact, even take the places that I don't want to see about myself and bring them into the light, what God's response will be to all that it is that is laid before him in his presence and mine is what? Mercy. Forgiveness. Kindness beyond anything that we could ever imagine. In a way that leaves us feeling just like the forgiven prodigal son. A sense of purpose. A sense of dignity. A sense of grace and mercy. Knowing that all of that that flows in and upon me is both entirely undeserved and yet it is what God freely chooses to give us. That's the transition that happens in the depths of our soul that is in fact the fruit of truly being, as it says in John's Gospel, born from above. You see, if you don't have that in your heart, to know that the depths of who you are are in fact being cleansed by God and that he knows us better than we know ourselves and that what he purposes for us is good and not evil. You're always going to try to play it safe. You'll always try to hide. Put your best foot forward, smile a lot and hope nobody else notices. And that's how many of us really tragically live and when you're living in that kind of place, you're expending so much energy about putting your best foot forward. You actually don't have the capacity, the energy, or the presence to be actually present for another person. Because you're always wondering, back in the recesses of your mind, what it is that they think about you. And when that's the case, you really can't listen and hear in a way that allows all of who you are to come into that moment. Because you're, you're always kind of doing this. But to know that the God of the universe has made room for you, all of you, who you are in this moment, and not just who you hope you'll be, or who you pretend to be is the greatest place of freedom in the world. Did you hear me? It is the greatest place of freedom in the world. That's why Jesus would say in one place, if the Son has set you free, you are free indeed. In other words, freedom like nothing else. So beloved this morning, we're going to come into confirmation services. You're going to be making commitments. You will say, I will, with God's help, to audacious promises, big ones, that we need God's help. But I hope for your sake and for the churches and for this communities that the last thing you do is entering into those commitments like this. You know, I'm going to try, but I have to tell you, I know it's not going to work out very well. No, this, this isn't about trying harder. This is about learning more about how to relax in the presence of God. 
And out of that, yeah, being free to give, to serve, to do all the things that are being asked of you. But out of a resource that's bigger than your own best efforts. God giving us the grace, as it is called in the scriptures, which means the capacity to do good beyond what we normally would be able to do. And that's where the freedom comes. That's where actually being kind becomes more second nature than it ever has been in the past. That's where looking at someone in the eye and really being concerned about that individual takes center stage far more than wondering whether they like you or not. And beginning by God's mercy to see yourself, your friends, your enemies, this community, more as God sees it. For God so loved the world, not just us, that he gave his only son. So beloved, if I could say anything to you at all, I would invite you into such freedom. The capacity to know that you are in fact deeply and powerfully forgiven. That the promise of eternal life is yours, though you don't deserve it, and neither do the rest of us. And into a life that is based not on accomplishment, but on mercy, because that's what God has shown us. Amen.